Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today our sermon text is from John chapter 1. I encourage you to open your bulletins and we're going to follow John chapter 1 today. Maybe you have played the game Two Truths and a Lie. And if you haven't played the game, it's, it's fairly simple. You tell three statements. You say, you say two truths and a lie. That lie being a stretch of the truth and you can get as creative as you want to be or it can be a fib. It's a fun icebreaker, a party game where we get to learn something unique about one another. Today, looking at Nathaniel, we have two questions and a confession. You don't hear a lot about Nathaniel in the Bible. As I said earlier in the welcome, he's found only in the first chapter of John and the last chapter of John. Some say that he is the same person as Bartholomew, the disciple that's mentioned in the other Gospels, and some disagree. What is important for today's message are the three statements that Nathaniel makes. And he makes only three, two questions and a confession. If you turn to John chapter 1, verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. This is the second week in a row where the earthly residence of Jesus brings a question to his divinity. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back, listen to Pastor Tim and Pastor Trevor talk about the epiphany, the movement of the Magi to Jerusalem. Magi from the east, they saw the star and they went to Jerusalem first to find the king of the Jews. A large city like Jerusalem, the capital, makes sense. That's where the Jesus, the Christ, would be born. But it's Herod who tells the Magi where to narrow their search, to Bethlehem. After he consults the chief priests and the teachers of the law on where to go, in which those people also turn to scripture themselves, to God's word from Micah chapter 5, that Bethlehem would by, be by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of Bethlehem will come a ruler, a shepherd for God's people. But Herod and the chief priests, they don't find it worth their time to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Can anything good come from there? And today you have a similar question. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And according to our human reasoning and deduction, the question that Nathaniel poses, it's not outlandish. Just like Herod didn't expect a king to be born in Bethlehem, Nathaniel didn't expect a Messiah to come from Nazareth to be the son of a carpenter, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel, like others who were expecting the Messiah, they were expecting a military hero, an emperor, a king-like figure who was going to come on a white horse and overthrow the Romans. But there's a difference between last week and this week. Last week we saw Herod, who was violent, who was deceiving. He was trying to set a trap for the Christ child to extinguish the threat to his power. Nathaniel. He was a man of no deceit. Jesus even says so in our text. Here truly is an Israelite with no deceit. Nathaniel was not one who looked for personal gain or prestige. He was faithful. He was looking. He was waiting for the fulfillment of the law and the prophets to come in the Messiah. 
Philip asked Nathanael simply, come and see. And Nathanael doesn't argue. He doesn't show any resistance. He simply gets up and he approaches. And the only way for us to learn correctly about Jesus is not to argue about him. It's not to argue about Nazareth or any other point that doubt may raise in our minds. But it's just to come directly to Jesus himself and come and see. Nathaniel has a brief moment of doubt that doesn't cripple him, but it's overcome by faith, a longing to see Jesus. And after hearing Jesus address him as an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, Nathaniel then makes his next statement or question. John chapter 1, verse 48. How do you know me? Nathaniel asks. How do you know me? You can sense wonder in Nathaniel's question, almost even anticipation. Could this be the Christ? Could this be who I'm looking for? Just a minute ago, we were wondering how anything good could come from Nazareth. Now we're, we're getting curious. Jesus answered Nathaniel, I, I saw you. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And at first glance, just seeing somebody under a fig tree doesn't seem like that would be a reason to make a bold confession of who the Son of God is, who the King of Israel is. Anybody can see people from a distance. But it takes supernatural, divine powers of sight to look into the depths of hearts of people, to know who they are, to know what they want, to know their pains, to know their struggles, to know what they're longing for. Note that Nathaniel's question is not, how did you see me? It's, how did you know me? I think we all have an innate desire to be known. Not just to be in a place where everybody knows your name, hashtag cheers, but also in a place where everybody knows your story. It's a natural reaction for us to put up our walls, to hide our emotions. Germans are really, really good at hiding their emotions to not let people get too close. Because you don't want people to see your darkness. You don't want people to see your weaknesses, your anxiety, your pain. There is a warmth in being heard, being known, and a freedom in trusting people that you can be vulnerable with. Let your guard down. There's a warmth knowing where people know what you like, where you're from, what you do where people know your family and your friends, where people know what makes you excited, what makes you tick, where people know who your favorite sports teams are, even if they're the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> where people are praying for you, where people care about how you're doing. It's like the feeling when you come home from school or work after a difficult day, and you get asked the horrible question, how was your day? And you don't want to give a response. You don't want to give an answer to that question. You have zero desire to talk to anyone the day was that bad. And without any communication or request from you, your parent or a significant other prepares your favorite meal for you because they know you. They love you. They care for you. They support you. They got your back. And this answer from Jesus to Nathaniel, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. This gives Nathaniel some warmth in his heart. It was a custom of pious Jews 
to study their office of daily prayer, of law and the prophets in a secluded place. Whether Nathaniel was studying or praying under that fig tree, we don't know. But Jesus, when saying that he saw Nathaniel, it was more than just sight. It was looking into his heart. Jesus saw his heart, his desires, his longing for the hope and salvation of Israel. And seeing that Jesus knows him, Nathaniel declares in John 1:49, his final statement in our text, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Commentators say that Nathaniel isn't really making a confession here because he doesn't really completely understand what he's saying. His heart is just pouring out. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word made flesh, speaking to him, the pouring out of his faith, even though he's not sure what he's saying, is indeed a solid confession. The Son of God is Jesus' true, true relation to the Father. The King of Israel is Jesus' true, true relation to his people, Israel. But Jesus, who again knows Nathanael, tells him that there's more to come. There's more than just being seen under a fig tree. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You're going to see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It was one thing for Nathaniel to be known. Now he hears that heaven's going to be opened in. This concluding statement from Jesus at the end of John 1 is a quote of the Old Testament, Genesis 28. That ascending and descending on the Son of Man, that's where Jacob is fleeing from Esau. He arrives at a spot which would be the site of Jerusalem, the site of Solomon's temple. Jacob lies down, he falls asleep on a stone, worried about being pursued by Esau, and he receives comfort from God in a dream. This Genesis 1.28 text that ends our sermon text. Heaven opens up, and a ladder comes down from heaven to the ground, and angels climbing up and down. What a sight. What an incredible sight to actually see that in a dream and actually have that view. And in that dream of Genesis chapter 1, God tells Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. All peoples on earth will be blessed by your offspring. I'm with you. I will watch you. I will watch over you. I will watch where you go. Earlier in your gospel reading, you saw Philip try to persuade Nathaniel by describing him describing Jesus as the one Moses wrote about in the law, it's likely Nathaniel knew exactly what Jesus was referencing. He knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. And now for us, where does heaven open, us, open up for us now? After Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened up. The Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And God the Father said, this is my beloved Son. Today, where heaven opens up for us comes in unlikely places, like Nazareth, like, Beth like Bethlehem. It comes directly to us in his word, in his sacraments, where Christ stands to meet us, where he tells us to come and see. These sacraments descend upon us from the open heavens above. God is present where his word is, and through water, bread, and wine, he has given us promises that are true, too. And just as those promises fulfilled, 
gave Nathaniel joy. Promises fulfilled give us joy, too. It matters not where you are from. It doesn't matter how much you make. Your ethnicity, your race, your upbringing, it does not matter. His kingdom, the kingdom of God, is not built on being elite, but being built elite on grace, infinite in grace. Our Jesus calls us simply to follow him and see. He knows us deeply. He loves us deeply. He cares for us deeply. He knows us deeply. He knows you deeply. Our God calls common people to follow him, not people with masters and theology degrees, but fishermen who will become fishers of men. And through word and sacrament, which can seem like two unlikely places to go find the Lord, Jesus goes into even more unlikely places for people to see him. The homes of our homebound people, the rooms of those in assisted living, hospital beds and ICU units, hospice beds of those seeing heaven open up to them right at that spot. People wrapped in quilts with the word of God being prayed over them. Families surrounding their loved ones that they're saying goodbye to, praying over them. Not in places of strength, but in places of weakness, where the power of God is made known. So let's play two questions and a confession one more time. Who do you confess your faith in, and how do you know? Simply, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I did not come to that confession by any reason or strength, but that Christ called me by the gospel to come and see. It's not us who found Christ, but it is Christ who found you. When you were wandering and lost, he took you into his arms, gave you shelter, gave you a place to belong. And what a place we have to belong. So whatever our age, May we have hearts of sincerity and wonder, like Nathaniel, to knowing that heaven is open to you today, through his word, through his sacraments, and that Jesus truly knows us because he loves you and he cares for you so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.